So when it's all said and done, and you and I, each one of us, take our last breath, we will be, it will be revealed a path that you've taken. And there are, according to God's word, really only two paths that you and I can take when it comes to our life. And the culmination of your life will reveal what your pattern has been, what your choices have been. The first path is to be influenced by our culture and actually distracted by this world. And we can, we can choose, we can make that choice even as believers. We can choose for what will not last. It's here today and gone tomorrow. No lasting impact, no lasting influence. When you take your last breath, it's just done. But as a believer, as a follower of Christ, you and I have a much better choice. We can choose to live out of and what will last. We'll have a continuing impact once you take your last breath. We'll keep unfolding even when you and I are not here. So it's door number one or door number two. There is no door number three. And what's interesting about this is that if I choose to live out of one, I cannot live in the other and vice versa. These two worlds do not go together. So you can't live in this in-between land. It's a choice that you have to make. That's what God's word teaches as we're going to see in just a moment. We're going to pick back up in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. And I want you to see in this passage that, that Peter says to choose to live for what will last will have, first of all, an impact. And number two, it will set a reality. That's the two categories that I want you to look at as we look at these four powerful but very brief verses at the end of chapter 1 in 1 Peter. Here's what Peter had to say. Now that you have purified yourselves, he's talking to believers, going through difficult times, by the way. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Then Peter quotes an Old Testament passage in verse 24 when he says, For all, are, all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you, Peter says to these believers. Now look back again at verse 22. I want to dig into verse 22 because it's, it's, the, it's the soul of this passage. It's the core. And I want to make sure we understand it. And Peter starts by saying, if you'll choose to follow, truly choose to follow Christ one day at a time, each new day, then your life will have an impact, and it starts with you. The impact is personal in nature to begin with. How do I know that? Look at verse 22 again. Look at what he says, therefore, and that is an, or excuse me, that's, I'm looking at verse 13. Go down to verse 22. He says, now, it's a similar word. He says, now that you have been purified. Now, we left verse 15 where Peter says, be holy because Christ is holy. 
And if you were here, you might recall that that word means to be complete. And it refers to the fact that when you place your faith in Christ, you are considered sacred to God. And when you're considered sacred to God, you have a choice or not to choose to live a life set apart for God. Well, the word purified is very similar. He's describing this redeemed life as he continues in chapter 1. And he says, now that you have purified yourselves, and now get to the by and, and how that happens. But the word purified means to create a clean heart, a pure heart. It means that you and I, when we truly follow Christ, when we're allowing that transformative work to occur in our lives, we will act out of a genuineness. In other words, people will know that they can trust what you're doing because they know you they can trust you that's the work that christ will do in your life that's what that word purified refers to and what's interesting about the word purified is that it is in a form that means a past decision or past act that continues to have present results or or impacts changes in other words when you place your faith in christ truly place your faith in christ my friend according to the bible you are redeemed you are free you can now live a life that is different but the ongoing work calls for something that we'll look at and that is the transformation that christ that god will do in your life and change you completely from the inside out now that's just that one word stay with me he says now and he says now he didn't say will be he says now because of who you are in christ and you're allowing him to do this work now that you are purified he is creating a, a genuine heart within you because you've professed christ he says You've purified yourselves. How? Did you notice it? By obeying the truth. There's a key word there. You've heard me say this 1.5 million times at least in the last 10 years. It's not what you know about God's word that changes you. It's what you what? Do bingo. Y'all know that. that uh, you, you've been listening. That's awesome. It's what you do with what you know. It is only when I'm willing to take that next step of faith that that transformative work happens, that this change within me and my life begins to occur. And that's what he, he's telling us here. He says, now that you have purified yourselves, not by knowing the truth, by simply collecting more information in your brain and your heart, but by what? Obeying the truth. Now, that word obeying is important as well because it refers to attentive response. In other words, you pay close attention to the truth of God's word, but it is also paying close attention with the idea and the decisions that you're going to submit to the truth. So you know and you understand, I'm not just here to collect more biblical information. I'm going to actually do something with it when I get up. You're not going to leave the truth in the chair when you leave this morning. I'm, that's my hope. It's a hope, my hope for me too. Uh, that, that you're going to choose to grapple with what this truth means and what God is saying to your life and take that next step of faith is the call here. So he says, you are purified not by knowing, but by what? Doing. What does James say about faith? He says, faith without what? Works is what? Dead. It's a corpse. 
It is worthless. It does not change you or change anything until you're willing to actually do, take steps of faith. Now, you know what purified water is. I, we, we take it for granted. Now, when you go to your tap or you go to your refrigerator and you get a glass of water, don't we take for granted that that water is not going to make me sick? We, we're just used to that, right? Well, that water has been purified, believe it or not. It, it is not changed the essence of what it is, but it is no longer noxious and unhealthy to drink. Why? Because it's been what? Purified. It's the same thing with your life. True, let's, let's just get honest. Apart from Christ, I'm noxious. I'm annoying and all kinds of stuff. You are too, so don't look at me that way. <laughs> but in Christ, he can purify me. He can give me a genuine heart to where I will actually love somebody without trying to get something in return, for example. He will inspire me to live differently because he's changing me from the inside out. That's what this is. It's a very real personal impact that will occur when you and I truly are willing not just to know God's word, not to hear God's word, not just to understand God's word, but to what? Obey it. It's the point of that step that it changes you. Now look, this gets even better. It's not just a personal impact that Peter talks about, but it's a relational impact that Peter talks about. In fact, Peter saw this as so important. He uses two different words for love in one verse. Look and see what I mean. Look at what he goes on to say, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves, why? How? By obeying the truth, the truth of God's word. And then he gives you why. He tells you why you, you should want to do this. He says, so that, so that you have sincere love for each other in your relationships with one another, and you love one another deeply from the heart. Now, pause with me just for a moment, because he uses, again, two different words, interestingly, in this one verse. The first word he uses for love there is what is known as phileo. You've heard of it before, possibly. It's where we get the city's name of... Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. You're good. You, you know your stuff. That's good. That's where that word comes from. It, the city of brotherly love. And the word phileo in the New Testament refers to sincere affection for one another. And the emphasis and focus of this word is on how you feel for one another. Now, here's what's interesting. It's saying there that Christ, when you allow him to transform you, how by obeying the truth one day at a time, he will cause you to feel more deeply for one another. In that we don't tend to think it that way. It's not just about your brain. It's about your whole person. And, and Christ will inspire a deep affection that you can't have on uh, in and of yourself apart from him he will cause you to have a greater capacity for love and and then he goes on to say you will develop a greater capacity to love others but he changes the word it's the word we're most familiar with and the word most often used in the new testament agape love this is the kind of love that God loves us with. This is the word that is most often used in the New Testament. And where this one emphasizes how you feel, the other one does not. It is what you're inspired to do. And you've heard me talk about the agape love before in the New Testament. First of all, it is a love that is without condition. Do you have a hard time loving without condition apart from Christ? Absolutely. Because apart from Christ, it's all about me, right? 
And I love you if you love me back. I love you or if I can get something in return. But that's not what this love is. When inspired by Christ, he will actually cause you to love without strings attached, without condition. That's what the word means. The second trait is just as important, and it means a choice of the will. In other words, Christ will inspire you to love. He will call you to love in a given moment, whether that person, by the way, deserves it or not, whether they're irritating to you or not, whether you're angry with them or not, whether whatever, you fill in the blank. He will call you to choose to love them. Why? Because it's an act of your will. You're hearing the voice of Christ in your life. He's transforming you, and you choose to love. Without condition, and as a choice of the will, regardless of how you feel. Isn't that awesome? We can still love each other when, even when we're mad at each other. Even when we're disappointed in one another, we can still love. It doesn't go away just because of how you feel. That's what agape love is. And finally, it is action-oriented. It is an act of your will. It is expressed. It's not really love until it is expressed. That's the transformative power. Listen, this... I, I wish I could get this across. This is the transformative power of Jesus Christ. He will not only change you, he will change your relationships. He will not only deepen who you are, he will deepen the relationships you have with one another. That is the power of Christ. When we choose to what? Obey the truth. Submit to the truth in where he leads. You see, that's First of all, what Peter is showing us, there's a very real-life impact to all this, and that the impact is twofold. It is personal, purified, the transformative power of Christ if we will only choose to obey the truth, and it is relational. It will change your relationships. It will transform your relationships. He will give you a greater capacity to love that you cannot have on your own, and, and it's, a, it's a greater capacity to love others even when they're not deserving in a given moment. I think that's pretty cool stuff. How about you? Are you out there awake or are you sleeping? Because this is good. Now, look at what Peter does, and I'm going to go a lot quicker. Peter elaborates on the significance of everything we just looked at in verse 22 in the rest of these, these verses. Notice what he does next. He gives us and says there's two realities that will be set in your life if you will only choose to obey the truth, respond to the truth of God's word, and don't just know it and understand it. Verse 23, for you have been... Notice the past tense. You have been, when you place your faith in Christ, for you have been what? Born again. Not from perishable, it is not going to go away, but from imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. So that word born again, very similar to the word purified and very similar to the call to be holy in this way. It is referring to the fact that once you place your faith in Christ on a genuine basis and you choose to follow where he leads, he will transform you. A, a journey, a born again. You could not be born on your own, right? 
It has to be done for you. God has to allow you, cause you to be born again, to have this new life is what Peter is referring to. And it's the same form as the word purified, interestingly enough, which means a past action that continues to have results in your life. A past action of choosing to trust Christ and then I choose to obey his truth, follow where he leads. He transforms me from the inside out. That is the reality that he's elaborating on from verse 22. When you choose to obey the truth, he will change your life. So it's a genuine transformation that occurs, but there's also something else he points out in the last two verses. You will gain insight that you never will have on your own. You ever been distracted? Three of us, right? We're all relating to being distracted over here. Come on, the rest of you, you've been distracted, I can tell. It's pretty tough in this world to live in it, right? Without being distracted? I mean, goodness gracious, we've got stuff thrown at us all the time. It is so easy to be distracted. Look at the opposite of a distracted life, according to Peter. He, will, he says that when Christ does this work in you, you will recognize the difference between living for what lasts and what does not. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40 when he says in verse 24, all people are like grass. That includes you and I, by the way, in all of their glory. When you try to do it on your own terms, when you try to have a meaningful life on your own terms, all of their glory is like flowers of the field and grass the grass withers and the flowers fall. Now, some of you saw me post some, I'm, this is a freebie. Some of you saw me post uh, some pictures of our hydrangeas in our backyard. Just they're, they, they just bounced back incredibly from the winter apocalypse we had back in February. I, we were shocked. We thought they were dead as a doornail. But there's these just beautiful array of flowers. But I do know also that that's not going to last as much as I'm enjoying it now, it's here today and very much gone tomorrow at some point when August heat hits or whatever, and you've got to struggle to keep it alive. You see, what Peter is trying to tell us is that to do life on your own terms, in your own strength, and in your own power, it will fade away. It will become really hard work for a bunch of nothing. And when you and I are truly obeying the truth and walking in Christ and truly following him and not just believing in the idea of Christ, he will show us when we are getting distracted. He will convict us on when we're getting drugged down into the, the culture that says, do it your own way. Pull yourself up by your what? Own bootstraps. Nobody else messes with your bootstraps, by the way. You pull yourself up. And, and God's word says that's baloney. That does not work. You are living for what will not last. And then verse 25, he says, but, and that's a good but. He says, but there's a different choice. And he's quoting right out of Isaiah. And he says, but the word of the Lord endures how long? You're with me. You're, you're awake this morning. This is awesome. The, Lord, the word of the Lord endures forever. It means that your life and my life, other than what we're going to experience in the presence of Christ, your life and my life will continue to have a legacy, to have a presence, have an impact. But it's only done when we're willing to let Christ do in us what he has begun. Only when we're willing to obey the truth and not just simply listen to it. Saw this story 
Christian author Eugene Peterson. He he, uh, wrote an article and he talked about when he was 35 years old, he got uh, interested in long distance running. So he bought a pair of running shoes. I can't relate to this at all. The idea of running long distance, I'm a sprinter. So I want to get it done. But anyway, nonetheless, Eugene Peterson got interested in long distance running and relaxed him. He got into the rhythm of it. I know I'm doing the same thing, Ryan. I'm shaking my head. I don't get it. But nonetheless, he did. And, and he, he bought uh, these shoes and got into running to the point that he was running a 10K every month and he would run a marathon every year. So he was really getting into the running world and enjoying it, and even subscribed to three, I didn't know there was such a thing, three different running magazines. And he would read them and just gain from them, and it would deepen his experience in, of running and competing in all these races. Well, he, he pulled a muscle that did not allow him to run for about a two-month period. You know what he noticed about his behavior during that two months besides the fact that he couldn't run anymore for that period? He quit reading the magazines. The magazines kept showing up at his house. They were laying around, but he had no interest whatsoever in reading them. But when he started running again, you know what he did? He started reading the magazines. Why? Because they deepened his experience in reality. But it was only at the point that he was engaging that reality that the reading made any difference. You see, it's the same thing with your life and my life in Christ. God's word, real, and let's get real. If it's just a text, if it's just an intellectual gymnastics to you, the truth in the Bible is not going to really deepen your reality. It's only when you get engaged in life, obey the truth, take the next step of faith, that his word starts deepening your life. That's how that works in our lives as well. So I want to leave you not just with a a statement, but actually a question this morning. I forgot to give you one of my slides. The question simply is this. Will you choose each new day to live for what lasts or live for what only does not matter? Your choice and my choice, right? When I leave here, I can get distracted by the world and the culture that's constantly screaming at me and saying, this is what's important, or I can listen to the voice of Christ. You can't follow the voice of culture and the voice of Christ at the same time. You can try, but that's a spiritual schizophrenia that never works. It will never work. You can make a choice, though, if you know Christ. And if you don't know Christ, you can start this journey, too. By placing your faith in him today and choosing to follow where he leads, he will deepen and open up your life in ways that you can't even fathom. But you'll never know it till you place your faith in Christ and choose to follow him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the straightforward simplicity of your word that you want to do a work in us and even through us and change our lives in these amazing ways in our relationships even with one another but we've got to choose to let you and we let you by obeying the truth not just learning it we let you by taking that next step of faith that you've been prompting within our hearts as believers to take so father i pray 
I pray as we leave here this morning, we will choose to live for what will last and what really matters and quit getting distracted by what does not matter. Father, for anyone here today or even online that does not know Christ in this personal, life-changing way, I pray that they will find somebody to talk to, reach out to us, find a believer to find out how do I place my faith in Christ? How do I start this journey? Father, I pray even now your spirit is at work in such lives that do not yet know you. And for those of us that do know you, I pray that same spirit will convict us and, and, and guide us and inspire us to choose to live for what lasts. Live for what will last. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.